Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 5. An Exchange of Trust. Standing in a phone booth, staring down at the 1994-95 Yellow Pages, Tristan couldn't help but be constantly reminded it wasn't 2020 anymore. More importantly, it had been that way for almost two weeks now, and he was getting desperate. So desperate, in fact, that he had pounded in the same number almost a dozen times now and hung up. He had leaned his head in frustration against the glass for so long that it had thawed some of the ice that had formed on the outside of the construct. The inner conflict had risen to a crescendo. He had to do something. He had a plan, but it wasn't a great one. In fact, if Tim were conscious, he would probably relate how terrible of an idea it was until Tristan would have to relent and give up on the thought altogether. The lack of a comrade to throw ideas by meant that even the worst ones were the best available to him. He pressed the cold keypad again and inserted several quarters. He breathed out loudly and waited. The ringtone started and he fought against himself to slam the handle back down on the receiver. It took several rings before the other side picked up. The handle clunking clumsily before a squeaky young voice answered, almost overly politely. Edmund Residence, how can I help you? He was completely focused on speaking to his father. Is Rick Edmund there? He asked, attempting to be as nonchalant as possible. Of course, fooling a child wasn't difficult, but he didn't want to get cocky. Just a moment, please. He paused for a second and muffled the receiver, though not enough that Tristan would miss the next words uttered loudly. Dad! Phone! Tristan blanched visibly and hung the phone up quicker than he ever had in his entire life. A vision came to him. His father, drunk in the mid-afternoon, screaming at him for playing a phone prank. He had been grounded for a week after that. This had happened. This had always happened. His dirty blonde hair fell down over his eyes as he slumped back against the glass wall with a loud sigh. He could feel himself breaking. It had been too long, and the cash he had brought with him was stretching thin. Tim seemed no better than he had been when he had first been rushed to the hospital. Tristan had said he didn't know the man, but having spent the past few weeks by his bedside, he doubted anyone believed that. He had taken the two back in time so they could find a way to save his mother and Tim's parents from a plane crash, only to have shown up almost two weeks late. And now, Tim was in a coma and there was absolutely no silver lining on this shit cloud. A knock woke him from his depression, but it didn't force his eyes open, nor did it make him move at all. New York still has tons of phone booths. Find another one. He grumbled, sniffing loudly as he felt his emotions pressing back against their confines. And what if I'm just looking for a friend? A familiar female voice asked as the door slowly slid open, and Jess, the nurse from the hospital, peeked in. She was in her early 20s, with a medium build, with dark, almost black hair and brown eyes. Tristan stood up quickly, clearing his throat and wiping the tears from his eyes. He took a quick moment to clean himself up as he stood up and stepped out of the booth. Hey, Jess. Look, I'm sorry. I... Jess interrupted him before he could continue. I just finished my shift and I'm starved. 
I've been craving smiling pizza all day. Why don't you come with me so I don't have to eat alone? My treat. Tristan choked back a response and nodded, following her as the two walked down the cold, snow-strewn street. Jess jumped into conversation right away, leaping over how she had found him. She went into her day and what else had gone on, complaining about the on-duty doctor and a nurse who loved to give her a hard time. They each grabbed a pepperoni slice and a Coke and took a seat at a table in a corner. Tristan hadn't realized how hungry he was until he took that first bite. He could feel himself salivate as he continued to take bite after bite. Jess watched him with a slight smile. Taking a sip of her drink, she broke him from his gastronomical reverie. So, what is Tim like when he isn't sleeping every hour of the day? She asked, innocently, brushing a black strand of hair back behind her ear. Tristan looked up from his bite, trying not to look surprised by her question, but failing miserably. Tim? Who's Tim? Tristan was a terrible liar. Come on, Tristan. You've been in the hospital for weeks now, watching over a John Doe that you supposedly have never met before. We don't get a lot of good mysteries around here, and rarely do we have the time to solve them. I've caught you chatting with him from time to time. You're comfortable with him. You obviously know him. And you've called him Tim I don't know how many times. Anyone else would have called him John. Tristan took a short sip and nodded. Busted, he remarked, chagrined. Does this stay between us? I can't afford for things to go badly here. Jess chuckled. The closest I get to mystery in my life is the rare occasion when someone hasn't spoiled the X-Files before I have the chance to watch my taped copy of the new episode. Mum's the word. Tristan laughed for the first time in what felt like too long and nodded while Jess took a big bite of her pizza. Ah, so nurse by day and video pirate by night, huh? Okay, you got me. Tim is my cousin. How he hurt himself, that's all a mystery to me, too. That part is the truth. The reality is, we aren't supposed to be here. I have limited funds, but we have no one who can help us. No one to get us out of here. I'm lost in a city I know all too well, if that makes any sense at all. Jess finished chewing, shaking her head. When she finally gulped the bite down, she smiled sheepishly. No, it doesn't really make sense, Tristan. What do you mean by we aren't supposed to be here? That's the weird part. You obviously know the city well enough. You aren't foreign, and yet you're hiding your cousin's identity? Are you criminals? Are you hiding from the police or something? Tristan grinned and shook his head. No, that would almost be preferable. I... I don't know how to explain it, Jessica. I, it's all way too much for anyone to understand. Tristan recoiled slightly when Jessica placed a hand on his. He relaxed and slid his hand back under hers as he saw the serious look on her face. Look, Tristan, I've had a really great time getting to know you, but the mystery is killing me. I'm a sucker for mysteries. I think we've gotten pretty close over the last little while, and I'm a healer too. That doesn't just mean that I stitch people up. It means I help in any way I can. So please, what can I do to prove to you that you can trust me? Tristan remained silent for quite some time, considering his options. He took another bite of his pizza, snapping the long lines of gooey mozzarella before they made a mess of him. 
chewed, and swallowed. He took another drink of his Coke and then pointed at her. Do you have a credit card? How close to the limit is it? She eyed him suspiciously. Credit card? Yeah, I have one. I only use it for emergencies, though, so there isn't much money owed on it. Good, he responded quickly, holding out his hand. Give it to me. Jessica laughed nervously. Give you my credit card? Now I'm afraid you are a criminal. Tristan pushed his hand a little closer. The secret is huge. The mystery is huge. It's worth it. Besides, I could run off and spend the limit easily, but you can report it stolen and you'll get everything back anyways. I just need you to know that you can trust me. You'll either get it back when we're done with this conversation, or I'll run off and you can call the bank and maybe catch me before I spend everything you've got. She eyed him long and hard, but after a short while, she sighed and rummaged through her purse. She pulled out an American Express card and passed it to him slowly. This is a big deal. You remember when these used to get you into restaurants that wouldn't take Visa or MasterCard? This was my ticket. Tristan smiled, slid it into his back pocket and shook his head. No, I don't remember that at all. In fact, I read the newspaper every day, just so everything around me makes some kind of sense. Jess didn't know how to take this and her worry increased when she saw her card disappear. You want mystery, Jessica? All right, here's mystery for you. He pulled out his wallet and slipped his license from the plastic sheath. Handing it to her, he could see her eyeing it strangely. And that's pretty, she started as she reached for it. What state is that from? Tristan remained silent as she took it and looked it over. Her voice changed from a normal volume to a hushed murmur as she tried to make sense of what she was seeing. Wait, is this new? They just changed the licenses in 92. Why would they... You were born in 80... What? That's not right. You'd be... Her mouth dropped some as she frantically scanned the license. She flipped it several times, scanned it for any irregularities, of which there were many, but none that made it feel any less real. She went over every detail, held it up to see if the faces matched. Tristan chuckled at this. I got a haircut right before they took that. It's grown out a little since then, he said, tussling his hair a little. This expires in 2021, Jess whispered, holding the card up towards Tristan. He took it back and slipped it back into his wallet. Yeah, big mystery. You might enjoy this one if I can get you to believe me. She shook her head. It has to be forged somehow. Why? How? What is going on, Tristan? She was still whispering, afraid someone else might hear them. Tristan waved his hands and shrugged his shoulders some. Look, I don't know how to explain it, but I think I have an idea. Do you watch The Simpsons? For the first time in several minutes, Jessica relaxed. Everyone watches The Simpsons. Tristan smiled and nodded. Good. Perfect. And you like mysteries. So, here goes. This summer, everyone is going to be talking about The Simpsons. As unlikely as it is to believe, they're going to have a murder mystery cliffhanger. Jessica seemed disappointed. For her, his story was falling apart. Really? That seems kind of dumb. Tristan's eyes widened. Oh, it's not. It's a classic parody on Dallas. Who shot JR? People love it, and 
No one knows who the killer is. There will be bets on it and everything. Jessica is beginning to get annoyed, not understanding what is going on. Okay, so the Simpsons do it again and make something that everyone loves. What does this prove right now? Not a thing, but I still have your credit card and I haven't dashed yet, so I've earned some trust. If you suspend your disbelief and just believe me for now, you'll see. If I'm lying or telling the truth, you'll know in September when the new season starts. Jessica tilted her head and pursed her lips. Really? You don't have something a little more immediate? He sighed. I didn't memorize the lottery numbers, if that's what you mean. I'm still a kid right now. I don't remember very much about this year at all, except for those episodes. That's nine months from now, she said, disappointed. Yeah, well, it's 25 years ago for me, he shot back. The two were silent. Tristan finished his slice, not looking up. He had screwed up. He shouldn't have told her any of this. He had no one to trust. He was alone in a way that made every other time he had felt lonely seem laughable. As he chewed on a crunchy piece of crust, he reached into his back pocket and retrieved her credit card. When he attempted to pass it, she pushed his hand away. Ruin the mystery, she stated, her voice stronger than it had been in a while. Who's the killer? Feeling better, Tristan put the card down and smiled slightly. Maggie, are you serious right now? She looked around the restaurant. This has to be the worst episode of Candid Camera ever. No, I'm serious. Come on. It's The Simpsons. Of course, the killer is a joke. That's the point. So, if you can just believe this to be true, all of it, you'll know in September if I was lying or not. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you a crazy story. Get everything off my chest. And then we go from there. Sound good? Jessica looked as though she was going to agree when the napkin dispenser on the table violently knocked over and fell onto the floor. Neither of them had come close to touching it. As the two stared down at it, Tristan thought he saw a shadow loom over him in his peripheral. He turned to see what it was, but there was nothing there. His eyes met with Jessica's, who now seemed to at least somewhat believe him. Okay, I don't have a choice. I'll believe for now. So, you're not from here, now. What does that mean exactly? Tristan patted her hand and took a quick sip of his drink. It means that whatever happened to Tim isn't normal. See, some family members died in a plane crash about a month ago. I got the crazy idea to come back here and stop it. We arrived late and Tim fell into the coma. Whatever it is though, it's obviously not normal because you guys can't seem to get him to wake up. So now I'm stuck here with him and I have no idea what to do. Jessica had finished her pizza and was nodding along. She wasn't sure if she believed him or not, so she was just treating this all as one big hypothetical. It was all she could do to remain sane for the moment. Wow, okay, so pushing aside all the weirdness that I can't possibly fathom at this point, do you even have a way back? Like, is your time machine hidden away somewhere, or do you have special watches that will send you back to your time? Tristan couldn't help but laugh out loud. Hearing it like that, he couldn't believe she had taken him seriously at all. Jessica began to laugh with him, nervously at first, but soon they were chuckling together. No, he started. It's not like that at all. I don't even know how to explain for it to make sense anyways. We have a way home, but 
Tim's stuck in the hospital and they won't let him out the way he is. I'm starting to think I'm either going to have to kidnap him or go back without him and pick him up another time. He pushed his paper plate aside, frustrated. Good, Jessica exclaimed. Tristan was taken aback, but she didn't seem to notice at all. This is something I can actually help with. She produced her hospital badge and winked at him. We should be able to get Tim out, but what do we do from there? Can you get him to whatever or wherever it is you need to go to so you can leave? Tristan nodded. We just need to get upstate to Sands Point. From there, we can do whatever we have to in order to get home again. Great, she exclaimed. I'll borrow my mother's car. I can meet you at the hospital later tonight, around 6 p.m. We'll sneak him out during dinner. What about you? Won't you get in trouble for losing a patient? Tristan asked, worried he was putting too much on a stranger. I'll figure something out, she said, clearly excited for the adventure. Jessica stood up and clapped Tristan on the shoulder. This is easily the stupidest thing I have ever done in my life, but I can't tell you how excited I am. I'll see you tonight. She grabbed her credit card from the table and dashed off, leaving Tristan alone in the pizzeria. Was he taking advantage of Jessica's kindness? He needed the help, but he could be ruining a life by trying to save his cousin. He was lost in thought when he heard a loud smash. Tristan looked up to see chili flakes and glass shards raining down on a couple by the window. The two were cloaking themselves from the raining spices while looking at him with a mixture of fear and anger. The cashier, a tall, thin, dark-haired man with a heavy five o'clock shadow, called over to him. What the hell do you think you're doing? Tristan looked around, but there was no one else in the main dining area, save for him and the couple. Wait, what? He stammered, trying to figure out what was going on. Get the hell out of here and don't come back, the proprietor called as Tristan ran away, confused and worried. Tristan headed back to the cheap hotel he had been staying in and gathered the things he would be taking with him. He enjoyed his last shot at 90s TV while thoughts of time travel danced in his head. Had he changed things recklessly by bringing Jessica in on their troubles? Would time continue on the same as it had? First chance he got, was he going to have to remember to watch Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2? If it wasn't Maggie, he had done something pretty terrible. Jessica and Tristan met outside of the main entrance to the hospital a few hours later. Jessica was standing in front of a wheelchair with a bag stuffed with clothes. Tristan looked at her questioningly. I thought about it long and hard. If I go in there, someone might realize that I'm there when I shouldn't be and I'll lose my job. So you're going to go inside, change into some scrubs and use my badge. No one looks at them anyways, but it will at least make you look like you belong. You're going to go inside, detach him from the equipment that we're using to observe him, pull out his IV, and then bring him down to the parking lot in the wheelchair. Any questions? Tristan asked about how to properly detach him from the monitoring devices, and how to pull out the IV without hurting him. She explained things as simply as she could, and he was on his way. Twenty minutes later, Tristan was wheeling Tim through the parking lot towards Jessica, who had the car turned on and ready to go. They helped Tim into the back seat, propping him up against the window with a pillow. The wheelchair was placed in the trunk, and the three headed off into the terrible New York City traffic. Several hours had passed by with the two making small talk when they heard a groan from the back seat. Tim's eyes were opening as he stretched, 
looking about confused. What happened at that bar? He asked slowly, seeing Tristan first and then realizing that they weren't alone. It's a really long story and I don't have any good answers for you. Sorry. The important thing is you're okay and we're headed back to Essence House, Tristan said, relieved to see his cousin finally conscious again. We're going where? Why? And sorry, who is she? Tim asked, caution taking over for the time being. I'm a friend who is temporarily believing in time travel to save two weirdos who were taking up a perfectly good hospital bed for far too long. Jessica shot back with a wry smile. Before Tim could say anything, Tristan stopped him. I had no other choice, man. Let me explain. By the time the three arrived outside of the Essence House grounds, Tim understood what had gone on, and as much as he wasn't happy with it, it was all completely out of his hands. He thanked Jessica, told her it was a pleasure to meet her, and thanked her for taking care of him. I don't know what happened to you completely, but take care of yourself, Tim. Try not to time travel for at least another week. Tim laughed and nodded. Yeah, I'll do that, he said, opening the large Onyx Essence House gates and stepping through. Tristan regarded Jessica for a long time, unsure of how to share his appreciation. I... I don't know what to say, Jessica. I can't honestly know if I would have believed me if the roles were reversed. Thank you so much. He held his arms out for a hug, which she gladly accepted. As far as I'm concerned, I just did a nice thing for two strangers. This won't officially be weird until the end of May, when I find out if you know what you're talking about or not. She leaned in and kissed him lightly on the cheek before stepping back. Thank you for the weirdest story I can never tell, the young woman remarked, stepping back and watching as he nodded with a smile, turned, and headed through the gates. The two made their way to the wine cellar door on the left side of the building. They opened it and walked all the way down to the cellar, which looked to have a lot more wine than there had been the last time they had been there. All right, Tristan said, unsure of himself. If I'm right, all we have to do is concentrate on going back to January 2nd, 2020, in the early morning, so we know that we won't come back before we left. Hopefully, that works. Tim gulped. If it doesn't, I hope you end up in the coma this time. I shouldn't be punished twice for you wanting to do something stupid. Tristan walked back up the stairs and shrugged his shoulders. I guess I deserve that. He opened the door and stepped up to find himself temporarily blinded by a bright light. When the two were finally able to see properly again, they found themselves alone in the shed with none other than Uncle Rick. He looked so much worse than Tim had remembered. It had been years since Tim and Rick had been in the same room. The job with the plaza had been presented to Tim over the phone, and he had retrieved the keys from the plaza's post office box. The once spry uncle who had taught Tristan and Tim how to build a proper tree fort didn't look like he could lift a hammer. He was slumped in a wheelchair, eyes a pair of slits with little life left in them. Anger emanated from him as he leaned forward and glowered. I asked for one thing. Keep people out of the tool shed. But you just couldn't listen. He leaned forward, his hair shifting to reveal the bald head poorly hidden under the obvious comb-over. Hand over the keys, Tim. You're fired. I can't have you two fooling around with things you don't understand. Tim dug out and passed Rick the ring of keys in annoyance. 
You've been hiding whatever the hell is going on down there for decades, Rick. This is something the whole family should know about and be able to decide on. Rick started to laugh, but choked on it. Well, the whole family knows now, but the property is in my charge, so the decision is made. Get off the property, and if either of you are seen here again, you'll be dealing with the police. The two of you have made enough trouble. He turned towards the door and barked. Girl, come in here and help me lock up. A woman, who looked in her mid-thirties, with long, dark hair tied back and a slim figure stepped into the shed. Tim walked past her, wanting nothing more to do with any of this nonsense, barely giving either the woman nor Rick a second look. Tristan followed behind, not wanting to talk to his father after everything they had been through. When he moved towards the woman, she offered him a quick nod and stepped aside. Tristan slowed and gave her a second glance before the door was shut behind him. Jessica? He whispered to no one at all. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. Hey, this is Eric Cockrell. And Chuck Pino. The creators of Essence House. We're really excited that you took the time to listen and hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love your support on Patreon. $2 gets you two episodes a month, along with bonus commentary and our monthly chat show. Visit EssenceHouseStory.com and Searcy. Thank you so much for checking out our series. We're really excited about it.